Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Scripted is the nothing personal word of the day. This show is not scripted. March 9th, 2023, it's Thursday. The WWE News Alert, everyone stay calm. Don't flip the channel. The WWE, run by Vince McMahon, is scripted. It's fixed. It's entertainment. WWE. When NBAE happens, that's the National Basketball Association brought to you with an amount of entertainment. NFL entertainment, MLB entertainment. WWE is just entertainment. Yesterday I read something that is awesome. We can bet on the WWE if Vince gets his wish. So let me take you inside a boardroom as Vince McMahon retakes control after wasting millions and millions of dollars. Let me say that a better way because you're going to think that I think that it was wasting money to give to people who he harassed and who he put in the unenviable position of having to do lascivious and prurient things with. He stepped away. He came back. His daughter leaves. He's taken over. There's rumors of a sale. They're trying to figure out who's going to buy WWE for an amount more than Manchester United is worth, which is probably accurate because WWE is a big business with big TV deals, big merchandise, big gate, a touring circus. I'm not against the world wrestling industry, wrestling, WWE, WWF, www.wwww.com. I can't believe that didn't hurt.com. Andre the Giant's one of my favorite guys ever. We had wrestling people at the ballpark all the time. They're interesting. They're funny. They're actors. What's going on in our world of business now is the same that's been going on for the last 200 years, maybe more. 
every business since the first business i wonder what is the first business side note coca was the first business like a caveman paying a caveman to go hunting for him hey i'll give you two extra rocks and one extra piece of that venison that you bring back could you just be a darling and go do that for me i'm in the business of hiring cave people to go hunting for me i take half the meat give half the meat away boom maybe that was the first business i like that Every business has one thing in mind. It's pretty simple. You are trying to increase your revenue without increasing your expenses by as much as you're increasing your revenue, thereby increasing your profit. That seems pretty easy, right? You don't have to go to business school to figure that out. Increase your revenue without increasing your expenses by the same amount. That's for your personal life, your professional life. That is a really good rule of thumb. If I'm Guy Pierce and Memento, I am probably tattooing that on myself because it's a good thing not to forget. So Vince McMahon looks around and he's saying, look at these other leagues. He's used to having a seat at the table. He wants to be around when they're talking about COVID. Back, remember when COVID started? I actually am completely making this up, but it wouldn't surprise me if Vince McMahon had an opportunity or a desire to be at that meeting with the president's people at the White House. Do you remember, Coca, when all the commissioners and people went to uh, the White House during COVID to figure out a plan to return to live sports? That, that happened, actually. We talked about it on a previous episode. And uh, wouldn't it be cool if all of a sudden, boom, we lived in a world where you could just pull up that segment and like get to that right there? Of course, it's just you and me, Coca, so there's no way to do it. So Vince McMahon trying to be like, actual sports leagues trying to figure out what they do, how they do it, and what makes those assets worth so much because each individual team add up all the 30 teams in baseball, all the 32 teams in football, and you have yourself a value of the industry. Because Vince McMahon, in theory, owns his whole industry. He's got stockholders and other partners, but just for purposes of this conversation. So he looks around and he says, hey, what do we do? All these leagues are making so much money from the gambling space. They're making it in sponsorship dollars. They're making it in partnerships. We want a piece of it because what we realize is when you gamble on a sport, you are engaged in that sport. How many people of the perfect demographic, which is 18 to 55, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it, it just sucks when you age out of the main perfect demographic and then you just have to make it bigger. I'm doing that because I think that everyone's lifespan's a little longer than it used to be. So I am calling on right now a change to what the main demographic should be. It is absolute horse hockey. No one's dying at, sorry, obviously people are, including people I love and know and I'm related to. People do die young all the time. That said, life expectancy is way higher than it used to be. So we're not even talking about retirement age or when you can get your social security. I'm not gonna be that political, which I could be. Instead, I'm gonna say the important demographics should improve and increase by a year. So I am in the demographic. Why are we so attractive to Vince McMahon? The reason is that when you gamble and you ask someone in my demographic, hey, Who's your favorite team? I don't know. I know who my favorite player is. I know who I'm rooting for today. Well, could you be rooting against them tomorrow? You're damn right I could if I'm betting against them. 
How's your fantasy team doing? Can you believe this guy didn't play or this guy didn't get enough points or I lost that? That is the reality. Brand affinity has gone from micro to macro. It's staggering how we've watched it happen. The micro brand identity is when you love a team. The macro brand identity is when you love a sport. WWE has all sorts of interesting micro and macro identities because there are people who identify with the wrestlers. There's people who identify with the ticket, with the mania of an event. So Vince McMahon said, I don't understand why we're being left out. And so he said, let's go talk to a state. So he actually went to, this is, this is really amazing. Good for him, right? He went to speak to people in Colorado and Michigan. Now, did he actually go or was it on Zoom? Don't care, not the point. And he's trying to get legalized betting on their highest profile matches. The way they would do that in their mind is to make it a bit like the Academy Awards. Academy Awards are things that are voted on by members of the Academy. Then they're put in envelopes and they're protected by the three people who get to put on tuxes and a dress, have a briefcase handcuffed to their wrist, walk out on stage for a 10 second viewing in front of 50 million people, which is now maybe 10 million people, but could be 100 million people, and say, hi, no one knows what's happening here, not even Warren Beatty. Can you bet on that? How is it possible that you can bet on who's gonna win an Academy Award when it's not a competition? There is an answer before the envelope is revealed. It is scripted. However, it's legal. There are sports betting applications, FanDuel, DraftKings, where you are allowed to bet on it. Now, why does FanDuel and DraftKings allow you to bet on it? Because they're a business. They let you bet on the damn sunrise if they could. Why wouldn't they? It's brilliant. They're brilliant. Look what they've created. However, there's some states who've stepped up and said, eh, I'm not so sure. Because then we have to have an entire arm of people like the SEC who's going to look into insider trading. Is it possible that someone from Ernst & Young said to someone, hey, it's going to be La La Land for best picture. Betting on La La Land. And best picture is La La Land. Ah, oh, Christ, I meant to say moonlighting. That actually happened. What would be the downside of allowing betting on the WWE? The only thing that matters to leagues is integrity. That, let me do that better, Coca. Four, nine, six, nine. One of the most important things to leagues is integrity and making sure that with this unbelievable amount of gambling money coming into each sport, that people who are engaged with the sport, not just for fantasy, not just for gambling, but in every way, from wearing a team's shirt, even if they have no affinity to the micro team, or to just engaging in it, or to the broadcasters paying for it, the integrity of the on-field products. So when anything happens that can call into question in any way the integrity of what's happening on the field, the leagues, even with being in bed with the gambling sites and the gambling companies, are making sure that they keep control over what they can do to 
people, players, executives, or referees, or anybody who they think is violating the integrity. So I guess that WWE could do the same thing. And if they find out that anyone has leaked what the script is, the difference is in Academy Awards, Ernst and Young are the only people in charge of tabulating the votes and then putting the winners on an envelope and then putting them in a briefcase. Yes, I've got Oscars on the mind because they're this Sunday. WWE is not that way. It is like a Broadway show. Can you imagine? This would be a good bet. I would take this bet, I guess, if you asked me to. Would you lay a hundred grand to one, hundred thousand to one, that only one person can fit on a floating door at the end of Titanic? Would you take that bet? Would you take the bet that the Titanic will sink before you see the movie? Is that a bad example? Because in your mind, everyone knows the Titanic sunk. There's just as many people know what's gonna happen during WrestleMania part 69, right? That's just how it goes. There are many people who know how a movie ends. Can you imagine taking a bet as to how a movie ends? Who did it in Glass Onion? Let's take a bet. We're gonna bet before the movie comes out who did it. There's advanced screenings. There's people who wrote the script. There is such opportunity for problems that states have stepped in and said, we don't need the federal government for this. We are gonna say as a state that we are not allowing these types of wagers because there's too big an opportunity for a problem. The irony is, are they protecting DraftKings and FanDuel and other betting applications or are they protecting the consumer? I'd like to think their job is to protect the consumer, but in reality, what they're protecting are the companies, which is great. How would you like to be a company that takes wagers and everyone who's betting, doesn't matter if the odds are 1 million to one. I've had this argument with Coca and all the gambling people at CBS. I don't understand if you know something's gonna happen for sure. I would lay $50 million to a dollar that the sun will rise tomorrow. I have to go borrow the money, figure out how to pay it. If by some chance the apocalypse happened today and the sun as a star burnt out and that was the end of it. It's not scripted, but I feel pretty good about my chances. No, but the odds aren't good. It's too heavy. That's what the gamblers say. All the people who you pay for advice say that's too heavy. It's too much. The odds are too great. What was Japan favored in the WBC game today, Coca, that's going on right now as we speak, where Otani is just doing everything to run double, four scoreless innings? I bet you Japan was favored tremendously in their first game. It's a virtual certainty that they would win, yet there is still a odds that you would say, that's too rich for my blood. You don't know for sure what the outcome of a game is. Even a money line blowout game, there's still chance for upsets. They happen. That's the essence of gambling. It's not fixed. The WWE is fixed. He's trying to sell his company for $9 billion, Vince McMahon is. Seems a little high, doesn't it? 
Bloomberg reported what their revenue is. He's trying to get it 23 times multiple. That's when you take the revenue that you have. Let's say you run a company, a side hustle that has revenue of 10 grand and you wanna sell it for 100 grand, you're trying to sell it for 10 times revenue. So in theory, after 10 years, the company who bought your company for 100 grand would get the money back. And that's assuming the 10 grand revenue equals the 10 grand profit, but I digress. Where do I stand? Let me be clear. I absolutely think that DraftKings and FanDuel and all the other betting applications should accept bets on the WWE. If you are silly enough to bet on a scripted event, then companies have every right to take your money. Every right. You think gambling companies are the only company that takes money from fools? Every company does it. That's their main job is to separate you from your money. You think on social media, all the algorithms that bring up Facebook ads and Twitter ads and Instagram ads, do you need another toiletry case? For Christ's sakes, I just bought one. Oh my God, that one looks cooler. I'm gonna buy that one. I've got enough comfortable clothes that I don't need to ever buy another piece of comfortable clothing. But wait a minute, David, we have got the most unbelievable set of comfortable clothes for you. Hell yeah. For $69.99, give me that cozy earth sweatshirt. That's what companies do. They target people to get your money. You know this. When we talk about scripted, when we talk about integrity, when we talk about gambling, there's a story that combines two of those three and they're the latter two, not the former. But anytime you have a problem with the latter two, you're gonna do something that includes the former. When you've got a problem with gambling and integrity, you're gonna have to script out a statement. Calvin Ridley got suspended by the NFL for a year. He got reinstated yesterday and I wanna talk about it. He's a wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The background of Calvin Ridley is he was victim, victimized by what I've told you exists in sports. I told you it was happening with Mahomes during the playoffs, something called Toradol. Toradol is a injection or a pill that masks pain. It's not an opioid but you could have a compound fracture of your ankle and not know it if you have enough Toradol in there. When the Toradol wears off, it's not good because then all of a sudden you feel the pain again, which can lead you to take other things, including more Toradol, which can actually end up screwing up your stomach and liver, et cetera. Don't at me, Toradol. You know very well I've taken it and given it. There is a limit to what we're allowed to give players and more often than not, we'll violate it. A player not in a guaranteed long-term contract, they want to pitch. They want to play. Calvin Ridley had what was diagnosed by, I can't remember who, was it the Jaguars or the Falcons? I want to say Falcons, but I don't know why I would say Falcons. That seems very strange. As a bone bruise on his foot, and it ended up actually being something different. It was a major foot problem and he ended up having a problem with Toradol and a problem with, in theory, pills, and it put him into a deep depression. He could not play. We don't pay him much attention at all when we've got players on the injured list other than rehabbing their injuries. 
There are very few teams. You know what? Screw it, Coke. I'll talk for me. If I had to do it again, I'd probably do it differently. When players are hurt and put on the 60-day disabled list back then, injured list now, make sure the training staff and we've got rehab coordinators and we've got people in a workers' comp part of our finance department who are dealing with all the details of a player rehabbing. I get an injury report every day, every day. And the injury report discusses the injury, what day it is on the injured list, and when the expected return is, and whether or not that player is getting better, not getting better, there's a bit of a narrative. Not one time in one injured list report that I got every day was there even a mention. Hey, he's feeling a little down. Hey, he's a little depressed in a dark place. We're trying to figure it out. Nope, nothing, zero. Calvin Ridley was in that position. And apparently, he gambled on football during a period of darkness and depression. And that led to his suspension. This started when he was on the Falcons. Ironically, after this, the Falcons fired their coach and medical staff. A new doctor came in and sent him to a specialist, which has gotten him ready to play, and he's ready to play this coming season after being reinstated. But here's what he said in a letter that was posted on the Players' Tribune. Jason, I can't believe I have to give credit to Derek Jeter's Players' Tribune, but I am. I just effed up, period. In a dark moment, I made a stupid mistake. I wasn't trying to cheat the game, Ridley said. I was still just so depressed and angry. The days were long. One day I saw a TV commercial for a betting app and for whatever reason I downloaded it on my phone. I deposited like $1,500 just for something to do. I was just going to bet $200 on some NBA games, but I added a bunch more games to a parlay. I put the Falcons in on it. I was just doing it to root for my boys. I didn't have any inside information. I wasn't even talking to anybody on the team at the time. I was totally off the grid. As a commissioner of football, he has hit the third rail. It is not better because he was depressed, in a dark place, hurt, mistreated, misdiagnosed, given pills, not attended to. All of that is a mistake by his team and by his league, by his agent, by his union, by him, all of it. But gambling on your sport or any sport when you are an athlete cannot be the result of being in a dark period. And I am not being harsh or gaslighting how, I'm sure I'm gonna use this one wrong, I'm not gaslighting him for feeling the way he feels we're feeling, telling him that he's wrong to feel the way he feels. But it is the job of the leagues to make sure that no matter how you feel physically or mentally, that you do not manifest those feelings or try to cure your lot in life by gambling. Anything else? What if Calvin Ridley, and I don't know any of this for a fact, this is for example only. What if he were married and he cheated on his wife. 
And instead of after being caught cheating and saying he had a sex addiction and going to rehab, or that he was on sleeping pills, or that he doesn't remember, what if he gave this as the explanation? I was in a dark place. I was depressed. I had nowhere else to turn. What is your reaction to that? Is forget what his wife's reaction would be. And this is speculative. What is your reaction to that? All right, I get that. But man, that's not what you should be doing. Try something else, anything else. Are we going to be okay explaining bad behavior, bad moral decisions, bad decisions in general? I am all for the fact that we talk about mental health more. I'm all for that we're talking about the physical health of players, whether it's CTE, whether it's the use of Toradol, all the things that we do as executives because we want these gladiators to gladiate every day, no matter what. I am all for discussing the impacts that it has on players' mental well-being. I'm all for having sports psychologists. I'm all for having clinical psychologists. I'm all for paying for my employees to have access to counselors at all times. I agree with it. If someone worked for your company and stole from your company, Daniel Snyder reallocating money in theory, stealing money from his fellow owners, you stealing money by taking tickets that are not yours and selling them in the open market that you got for free. Do you think that you save your job by saying I was in a dark place and I just screwed up? It wouldn't work that way. You'd lose your job in a New York minute. I have great empathy for Calvin Ridley. I do not have sympathy for the way that he chose to release his issues. And a statement like this did not make it better for me because saying that you didn't have inside information on the Falcons, saying that you were betting on the Falcons because they're your boys and you wanted to root for them, we can't have players betting on games of people they know. We don't even have players betting on games in leagues that they're not playing in. You can't be in the NBA and bet baseball. You can't be in baseball and bet basketball. Just don't bet on games when you are a professional athlete, period. This makes perfect sense. Can you imagine for one second if a wrestler in the WWE bet on WrestleMania, that's the Chris Rock mic drop. All right, we come back. We're gonna review a movie about a donkey that's nominated for Academy Award. And don't worry, there's yet another John Morant update. You'll like this one. Me and Kevin Durant will be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Kevin Durant couldn't be here today because he slipped during warmups and didn't play in the Suns game. His home opener. Oh, God. Let's review a movie right now. But just one quick thing on Kevin Durant. Buying tickets to see something, it's risky, right? The get-in price for the Phoenix Suns home game last night. They played. I can't remember who they played. I, I bet the game on Nothing Personal Book of the Day. Thunder. Thunder Buddies. Kevin Durant is warming up. People spend money. They're going to cheer him on. The Suns are a juggernaut. Every, everything's exciting. He slips on a wet spot during pregame, hurts his ankle, doesn't play. 
So it was not his home opener. Still, the Nets crushed him. We won that pick of the day, by the way. Coco, we are 31 and 34. Did you know that? We are slowly making our way back and baseball season's just beginning. We have to survive like another 21 days without losing our entire tushy. We'll do it. We had Phoenix minus 12 and a half against Oklahoma City and they won in Durant's home opener, but it won anyway. They crushed them. Tonight, we're going to go with the Grizzlies and I want to talk about John Morant a little bit. John Morant, we know the backstory. Go listen to the last few shows. He had an issue with Shannon Sharp and his family, his father, Jaw's father. There have been some talk that there's things that the 23-year-old is doing that may not be in the best interest of a 23-year-old being the center around which a franchise is built. He's not a center, he's a guard, but you know what I'm saying. Then we got video on Instagram live of a gun. Then we had the coach saying he's going to be away for two games. Then he was going to be away indefinitely. We're going to help him get help. Then we had the Glendale Police Department, who is part of Colorado, say we're going to investigate this because he can't have a gun in a public place. Then on federal land, it's open carry, but you can't have it on federal property. I think that's the law in Denver and Colorado. But then on top of that, what we had was the NBA investigating and the police department saying, Was there a crime that took place? Yesterday, the Glendale Police Department came out and said, we are done with our investigation. No criminal charges will be filed. The reason they cannot file criminal charges, let me remind you why criminal charges get filed in the first place. They get filed by police departments when in conjunction with the local district attorneys, there is a high likelihood of conviction. Because do you know what DAs don't like? District attorneys losing. Do you know what police departments don't like doing? Testifying and losing cases. So the only way they're going to bring charges against John Morant is if there's a high likelihood of conviction. And in this case, they had a hard time proving anything. The live Instagram video was simply not enough to go on. It is not a big deal to me that this happened at Shotgun Willie's. Players go to strip clubs all the time. People, executives, everybody. That's there wouldn't be so many if nobody went. That's the same thing for all sorts of things you see on the Internet that you may think are not necessarily appropriate or you do think they're appropriate or you think that no one else is doing what you're doing. Let me tell you. Everybody's doing what you're doing. That's why there's such a big selection. You think there'd only be one strip mall that Robert Kraft could go to and he'd have to fly in his private plane to find the one strip mall with the one um, Asian massage parlor? No, why? Because they're all busy. What they found is there's not enough available evidence to charge anyone with the crime. They couldn't determine that probable cause existed for the filing of a charge. Boy, that's confusing if you're not a lawyer. Probable cause is what's needed when you are charging. At the nightclub, no one was calling in any problems. It's not like John Morant was going around brandishing the gun or pointing it at people or anything that would cause any of the security guards. And believe me, there's a lot of security guards at Shotgun Willys if there was any sort of danger. But the lack of criminal charges has nothing to do with what the NBA is going to do to John Morant or what the Grizzlies need to do with John Morant. 
just like the Trevor Bauer situation. The lack of criminal charges were practically irrelevant when it came to what the suspension was going to be. The Grizzlies announced they're gonna sit him four more games. And I have a question for the Memphis Grizzlies. Because I was never able to figure this out and I tried. How do you quantify number of games that a player has to miss in order to undo all of the learning that they've done and all of the behavior that they have now basically become in, in, inbred into them, ingrown? God, my brain, what is going on? Ingrained, thank you, Coca. Behavior that's been ingrained into him for maybe 15, 16, 17 years. It's gonna take a week to get rid of it. But if you are an organization, you cannot suspend him forever. The Grizzlies have a chance to win a title. You are working with the NBA, making sure the NBA is not gonna suspend him more than you're suspending him. The NBA would like not to be in the habit of suspending John Morant for what he did. They'd like the teams to take care of it. That's like federal versus state. Always better, let the states take care of it. Perfect, doesn't always work well. So what now, what's John Morant doing now that no charges were filed? You think he's doing the Snoopy dance? No, the NBA still has to investigate. The Grizzlies still have to get him the help he needs, but the help he needs involves behavioral change. We're not telling our players, don't go to a strip club after a game. That would be a waste of time. It's like telling your teenager not to sneak out or miss curfew, or telling your teenager when they go to college or go away for the first time that they're not gonna do something stupid. What you teach your children is the levels of stupidity. Don't do anything that will cost you your future. Don't do anything that will cost you your freedom. Scrub your social media, pay attention to what you're doing. That is absolutely normal. That's what we need to do when it comes to John Morant. We need to help him understand that he's cool because of how good he is at his job. He's cool because of what he can do by leading a city like Memphis, being the center of the Memphis universe, sports and otherwise. There's only downside to being one of the boys, to carrying a gun. There is nothing. There's no company, there's no person, there's no money that comes with being that. When's the last time you saw an athlete sponsored by the NRA? When's the last time you saw an athlete sponsored by Shotgun Willies? They may get free buffets, they may get free dances, but guess what? They don't buy cars with what they make from shotgun willies. They may lose cars, but not buy them. Calvin Ridley is no John Morant. He acknowledged that he needed time away to get himself right. And it was a year mandated. John Morant should not be suspended for a year John Morant should be suspended for the rest of this year. Sometimes when you're a parent, sometimes when you're a league, you have no choice but to overcompensate to prove a point. You can't have someone like Fred Van Fleet talking about referees and saying, I don't care what you find me, I'm gonna say it or do it anyway. If you don't know, go look at the video by Fred Van Fleet. The point is, 
when the consequences are not big enough, large enough, or significant enough, it doesn't inform people how to change their behavior. And you can bet your sweet pituitary gland that David Stern, the previous commissioner, where Coca and I were talking about this pre-show, David Stern would have suspended John Moran so fast that your head would be on a swivel. Adam Silver, the players commissioner, maybe the next chairman of Disney, has a different view. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. We're all good. Let's not upset the players. People rarely act outside of their self-interest. It is not in the self-interest of the Memphis Grizzlies or the NBA to suspend John Moran for the rest of the season. It is likely not even allowed under the union rules. But the union and the league and the owners, they don't have the interests of the player in mind. We talked about medically, they certainly don't. And you think from a mental health standpoint or from a stay out of jail standpoint or from a don't get yourself killed standpoint, you think the NBA is paying close attention to Sean Kemp now? They couldn't care less. Sean Kemp was arrested on felony drive-by shooting. Think the union is all running there to protect him? Think Adam Silver, the owners of this Thunder? Hey, used to be a Sonic. Let's see if we can be helpful to him. It's actually more newsworthy when an owner is helpful to a former player where there's an issue. What is the name, Coca, of uh, Mark Cuban helped out the Dallas Mavericks player who is having, he's homeless, having major mental health issues. And I'm, Delante West. Thank you, Coca. There are examples of it, but it is absolutely the exception, not the rule. So here's what I suggest is going to happen with John Morant. A whole big pile of nothing. He will miss the four games further that he's supposed to miss. He'll be brought back and he will revert back to the exact behavior. And then we're gonna wait until the next time when something even worse is gonna happen, and then we'll do something. How many times on this show have I talked to you about proactive versus reactive? It's one of the hardest things in life to be is proactive, but it's one of the most valuable. It's what sets you apart from the people you work with, from people you meet. Proactive is when you can guess what's coming, deal with it. Just think minority report. You got a problem with precogs? I don't. Reactive, anyone can be reactive. You're overreacting. God, you are underreacting to this situation. Have you ever heard someone say to you, hey, don't overproact? God, that's an underproaction. You never hear that because being proactive is always good in every situation and can't be evaluated as being bad. It's gonna be interesting, I'll tell you that. All right, I watch a movie every day and it's Oscar time Sunday. We are days away from the Oscars. Three more sleeps until my favorite day. Can't wait for the red carpet. Can't wait to watch the awards. Can't wait to see how Jimmy Kimmel, the host, addresses the Chris Rock, Will Smith, because believe you me, it will come up. Can't wait to see whether Brendan Fraser is going to win his first Oscar on tomorrow's show. You will get my Academy Award predictions. Not today. Tomorrow is Friday, March 10th. You will get all Academy Award predicted categories, or at least all the ones that I want to give you. I'm not going to give you all 24. But, Coca, I could tweet out my filled out ballot. I'll do that at David P. Sampson. 
I'm not embarrassed at all. I watched a movie that's nominated for... <laughs> Hold on, Coca. Are we live? Even if we were live, I'd still be doing the same thing. I can't remember what EO is nominated for. It's gotta be best documentary feature or it could be best international feature, but it's not a documentary. So it has to be best international feature. EO, here we go. It is a Polish film about a donkey nominated for best international feature film. In that category, I really liked, God, what is going on with me today? Coco, can we take a minute here? I'm, I'm so out of it at the moment and I don't know why. A lot of people I was away with this weekend got COVID by the way. I hope they are feeling better. I don't have COVID, but I find myself a little lethargic with a little bit of brain fog and I got plenty of sleep. I got like four hours of sleep last night. I was working on the show and a couple of other things during the night. I was able to name, because I tested myself. I actually do this. Just on a side note, I'll test my memory because I want to make sure I stay in the 18 to 55 demographic. So I'll do memory games and, and brain teasers and just things to keep my brain active. Not really crossword puzzles, but I'll try to read something and then test reading comprehension. So I'm trying to memorize categories in, in the ballot. So you have Argentina 1985 for best international film. You've got EO. And then I watched, oh, all these other movies and I can't remember what they are at the moment. And it's bothering me because last night, like five hours ago, I absolutely knew every one of them because I knew I was reviewing EO. Anyway, damn it. It's a donkey film. Six donkeys played the same donkey. His name is EO. EO. But guess what? It's not really about a donkey. People are misunderstanding this. They're saying, hey, I'd rather watch Shrek. Hey, this movie didn't really have a plot. It has a major plot. Hey, this movie doesn't have a lot of talking. No, it doesn't. Is it a nature movie? No, it's not. I'd like you when you watch EO, which is available, I'd like you to watch it through the lens of the donkey being a person and what a person's travels are through the course of life, the people a person meets, the experiences they have, and then how that can impact the life of that person. How many times have we talked about the fact that nothing happens when you sit in your living room? You've got to get out there. You've got to experience the world. You've got to be able to take the chance. You've got to be willing to have bad experiences. You have a frame of reference to have good experiences. You have to be willing to have bad dates. You can have good dates. You have to be willing to be sad so you can be happy. You need frames of reference. In EO, he comes across it, she. No, donkeys aren't its. Peter, relax, okay? My email is matthew.coca at cbsinteractive.com, just in case you're upset at me saying it. The experiences that the donkey has during the course of this movie are filmed so beautifully and so much is said without words, not because donkeys can't talk, but frankly, the people in the movie don't talk as much. You see through their actions, what they're doing and how they're engaging with the donkey and the things that the donkey gets itself, ah, Matthew.coca, involved in. It is a movie worth your time. Please watch it. I promise you that Frankie Montas is gonna be able to watch EO. He has all the time in the world. He came out yesterday, he's the Yankee pitcher. The Yankees acquired him from the Oakland days at the trade deadline. Everyone was all excited. Way to go, Brian Cashman. You got him, nailed it. 
Frankie Montas was so bad for the Yankees at the end of last year, and now he's hurt his same shoulder issue, and he's going to miss a majority of the 2023 season, and the Yankees were counting on him. Now they're going to have to hope that behind Colin Rodon and Severino and Herman and Schmidt, doesn't matter who I'm naming, but the important part of what Frankie Montas said yesterday is I was hurt when I was traded. Oh my God, I got triggered. I was livid. Players who get hurt and don't go to the training room, there's nothing I can do because when I'm exchanging medical, I can speak to other players who know him. I can speak to our players and say, do you notice anything? How does he look? How does he feel? What are your thoughts? But when you're making deadline trains, you really don't have as much time as you think to start canvassing the league. You're trying to get a player. You're counting on your scouts and what they see. The exchange of medical before a trade is perfunctory in most cases when the team isn't lying about the medical. But when the player lies to his own trainers, which happens every mutton gadunishtik, because players want to play, because that's how they get paid. Players under long-term guaranteed contracts, they're in there for a hangnail. Players going year to year or hitting free agency, they've gotta be dragged in. We've gotta look at that player and say, hey man, you can't throw the ball into the infield. Your shoulder looks like it's on the ground. Hey man, you understand you can't run without a limp? Like we see this, go to the training room. We say it as often as we can, but if you don't go to the training room, there's nothing we can do about it. Is it rare for a player to not go to the training room? No. Is it rare for a player to get traded while hurt? No. What does baseball try to do about it? They try to make sure that under the rules, there is communication between teams, trainers, doctors, GMs, presidents, all in the name of fairness. And there's the word again, integrity, trying to figure out the smartest and best way to get players moved because it is in the best interest of baseball last year for Frankie to go from the A's to the Yankees. That's how the world works. And I'm not saying the A's are a farm team for the Yankees. I'm saying teams that are out of it are supposed to give the best assets to the teams who are in it. I always viewed it as uh, it's like a, I don't view sports as war at all, but at all. But if you're having battles on two fronts and one of the battles you lose, don't you take everybody from that battle and move them to the other battle where it's still going on? That's the same thing, the same concept in sports. You take the best players from the games that no longer matter and bring them to the games that matter. That's good for the team where who's playing games that matter. And it's good for the league that's broadcasting games that matter come end of regular season and playoff time. So Montas, what do you do if you're the Yankees? Nothing. There's a statute of limitations on how quickly you can reverse a trade a day, an hour, under some circumstances, a week, but not if players who've been traded have actually played for the other team. It gets very complicated, like when we unwound the Padres trade with Luis Castillo and Colin Ray. It is doable, but not this far down the road. So the question is, why did he say it? It makes baseball look bad. It makes the A's look bad. It makes the Yankees look bad. It makes him look bad. Sometimes it's important to say nothing other than it's just business.
See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal.